Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Bridgestone Weatherpeak. But did you know they sell other automotive products, wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin, TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Volume. This is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. What is up, Straight Fire fam? It's me, Jason McIntyre, Straight Fire, for Thursday, August 17th. You notice that the same boisterous, loud fire is not really firing from your boy. Well, I finally got the word um, on what the hell's going on with my voice and my throat and my cough. I don't want to get into it, but I uh, picked it up in Hawaii. It's lingering. I saw an ear, nose, and throat guy who came very highly recommended. He's worked with uh, way, 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 way more famous people than me. Uh, was super nice. Told me the good news. Told me the bad news. The bad news isn't even that bad. Um, but overall, nothing will change on the podcast in the short term. I'll know more next week, though. Um, but uh, the good news is we got a great podcast today. Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus had one of the better preseason tweets I've seen from anyone about how Trey Lance has thrown fewer passes in college and the NFL combined than Geno Smith last season. That's a staggering stat. So I had to have him on the pod. We talk about the NFL. Um, He's got some uh, spicy takes, uh, stuff that I did not even predict. He has an interesting left tackle that could be on the market. I have not heard this. A uh, fantasy wide receiver sleeper that I also haven't been mentioned anywhere. Um, So I think you guys will like the interview. Before we get to that, um, just one thing I saw. Um, well, a few, actually, three things. I'm sorry, three things. So, number one, no, I'm not going to overreact to the Jets' workout scrimmage, whatever, with the Buccaneers, where there's fights all over the field and Aaron Rodgers gets sacked six times and blah blah blah. 
it's a scrimmage. That's what it is. Like, have you guys ever practiced? Sometimes they're really, really bad. Sometimes they're good. It's nothing out of the world. The live bullets don't start firing until Monday Night Football against the Bills. Now, is there concern about the offensive line? Yes, I've been saying that for weeks. That's been the whole offseason storyline with the Jets. they got to fix the offensive line. If it holds up, the Jets are going to be fine. But I'm not going to overreact to the Buccaneers bullying them around when Becton and Dwayne Brown, the projected starters at tackle, don't even play. So relax. Number two. I don't know what to make of this Jonathan Taylor stuff. He's in camp. He's out of camp. He's got personal reasons. This this has the makings of something ugly. And it stinks because I think the Colts could be sneaky okay this year. Um, we'll see. I, I, like Stike, I like Stiken a lot. And... You guys, if you followed the pod for a while, you know my thoughts on Richardson based on someone who was working with being his agent and knowing him uh, and his work ethic. Like, guy's got some stuff going on. He, he's a, he's a, he's a big-time uh, poten- – the potential's there. At this stage, it feels early, but I digress. Finally, before we get to Sam Monson of Pro Football Focus, did you see that the U.S. women's national team coach resigned? Um, I know nobody cares – because it's like, oh, they got bounced in the World Cup. You got to fire the coach, obviously. Um, I just thought the reaction was he's getting all the blame. He is entirely the fall guy. When, let's be real, the players did not deliver at all in the tournament. Yes, the coach was not great. Didn't love some tactical moves. Some of the uh, players' positioning, didn't love it. Didn't love some of the substitutions. Like, that happens. That's every coach in every sport. But what about Alex Morgan just totally not showing up? I mean, how many players just no-showed or were way, way either overrated coming in or just under-delivered? It felt like the players came in confident and cocky. Hey, we got this. We've won two in a row. Let's make it three. And they just did not look good in any game. And you could see it that first half against Vietnam. Like, they're dominating, but they're not finishing. And it's like one nothing. It's like, what is happening here? They just didn't look good, and yeah, the coach is the fall guy, but they got some work to do. Fortunately, you know, you got plenty of time. No need to worry. Um, And I'll close on this note. If uh, you're a diehard listener of the podcast, so you know I went to Charlotte recently to watch Nacoxa, the soccer team we're minority owners of, um, play. Hung out with, uh, you know, on the field, uh, meeting the coach and the GM and all that fun stuff, and afterwards, uh, some chats, let's just say. And if you listen closely to some of these podcasts, I'm able to drop hints, stuff in there. For instance, on The Herd, uh, sometime this week, Joel Embiid's name came up. And I, I got some stuff on Embiid. I'm just, I, I'm, not, I'm not ready to, I just got it from, from someone close in, to Embiid. This is not a flex on my part or anything. I'm just not going to reveal the stuff I heard. Um, but... It, it, it ain't good in Philly for Embiid. Let's just say that. And this was before the stuff on so – they changed his social media. And, I, I mean, you got to sit on it, you wait, and then, you know, when the time is right, you say what you heard. But there's – obviously, there's stuff going on there. So when I went to visit our team in Charlotte, you know, listen, we had some injuries at the back. We got destroyed. But it was it was ugly. And – um I came back and I said, you know, this this is not easy. This stuff is tough. You've got to make tough decisions. And um, you got to shake things up sometimes. And since that game, we have made three pretty significant moves 
uh, two starters and another, you know, heavy reserve are gone. And you guys know I love the team building stuff and what it takes, the ingredients it takes, the, um, the, the number, everything. It's, it's a huge soup that goes into making a winner and building a winner. And being up close and seeing it and hearing it and knowing what's out there, it's really fascinating. And in Charlotte, it was pretty evident to me that there was going to be big moves and a couple of the specific players are no longer there. And I'm just saying, I expect Nakaksa. I know you guys don't pay attention to Liga MX. That's fine. I expect them to come out firing big time. They get a couple of their defensive starters back. We got to, we have some new guys in the starting lineup. They're going to look like a totally different team. It's All is not lost because we got blasted and embarrassed at the Liga Cup. That's all I'll say. I'm excited for Nakaksa. Uh, it is really fun. And now let's get to our guest, who's equally fun, Sam Monson of Pro Football Focus. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, 
You can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports. I know what sports fans want. But for everything he doesn't, he knows a guy who does. Let's just say, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy. All right, let's welcome into Straight Fire everybody's favorite guest who loves rugby. You guys remember him from last year, obviously, and I think two years ago. Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus. Sam, how are you, man? I'm doing well. How about you? I, I've been better health-wise, but, uh, you know, we, we trudge on. And, and uh, you know, for our YouTube audience, I need to shout out your shirt. It looks like a Bengals shirt or maybe a Oregon State shirt, but you're saying it's a jersey of a rugby team, huh? Yeah, it's uh, an Ar- super rugby team that was in Argentina. I don't think they exist still. Maybe I'm wrong, but the the Jaguares or whatever, they, however that's pronounced in languages that I don't speak. I just assumed everybody in Argentina played soccer and only soccer. But uh, they had a good basketball team, um, Manu Ginobili and company back in the day. At any rate, you're here to talk football. Sam had one of the most interesting preseason tweets I've seen from anyone. Sam, you outlined Trey Lance's passing history. Um, his, you know, his very brief time in college and his first two seasons in the league. And you said he had thrown fewer passes in college and the pros than Geno Smith through last year. That's not the kind of context we're hearing when everybody's slamming Trey Lance and saying he's done, he's washed, he's a bust. Yeah, it really is amazing. And even if you fold in his high school attempts, now the the stats for high school are a little bit weird. Like I found three different numbers or whatever, but they're all low. You know, whatever the number is you're picking for high school, he didn't throw a lot of passes in high school either. So for the entirety of that guy's football playing career, he's barely played quarterback. Remember he was, um, you know, he, he sort of dealt with the COVID thing. His final season in college was like the one showcase game just to kind of tee him up for the draft and then get to the the NFL. From that point of view, it worked, right? He was the number three overall pick. It made him money. But there have been maybe, you know, he's one of the least experienced quarterbacks to have ever made it this far in, in the game, right? He's barely played the position. So when we're looking at, you know, the things Trey Lance is doing wrong, and there's plenty of it right mm-hmm. now. The right. interceptions are obvious, but... The first three plays of that game against the Raiders featured, I think, two sacks, you know, one check down. None of them were where the ball was supposed to go, which is, you know, the hallmark of Shanahan offenses is drop back. Number one is going to be open because Kyle Shanahan's offenses are incredible. The plays are great. Just drop back in rhythm, hit that guy. And he didn't do that at all. Um, But nobody has made it as far as he has with that little experience. And the only way for that to improve is playing, is getting reps. But that doesn't seem to be the case. I mean, Brock Purdy, I think I read that he's a lock. Unless he melts down, he's going to be the starter. And then you're like, okay, well, is Trey Lance going to be the backup? And I don't know, Sam Darnold's got some experience. They brought him in for a reason. Do you think Lance is even the backup? Like, what if he starts week one and he's inactive? What are we supposed to make of Trey Lance? Yeah, I mean, I, I think right now, you know, if Brock Purdy went down and they needed somebody to start a game tomorrow, I think Darnold would be the guy as much as, you know, Trey Lance might be getting the the first go in, in preseason, all those kinds of things. I think if Kyle Shanahan needed a game tomorrow, Darnold would be the guy he turns to. So 
I, that's the tough thing about it. That was part of what I was tweeting is this guy needs to play and there's no pathway for that to happen, you know, barring a lot of injuries. I, I don't see him being given the playing time in San Francisco. I also, for the reasons he struggled in San Francisco, like I don't really see another team trading for him as a starter. So it's tough to see where he's going to get those reps from. Yeah, it feels like that quarterback class, I don't want to say cursed, but maybe they, the, the COVID situation just messed them all up or messed up evaluating quarterbacks because, uh, you know, Justin Fields is in a prove it or lose it year. Uh, Mac Jones had a good rookie year, but it was against kind of bad defenses and he's kind of regressed. We'll see if the new OC helps. Uh, Zach Wilson needs no introduction. Um, it, it just, it kind of sort of, I mean, Lance, I don't know. It, it almost feels like all these guys probably aren't going to make it. I'm not rooting against them, but is that the sense you get? Any of these guys look like 10-year franchise quarterbacks? I mean, I think Trevor Lawrence looks fantastic yes, right now. Yes, well, I like excluded just, him on purpose. Yeah. yeah, if he just picks up where he left off last season, he's the star from that group easily. Um, I expect Justin Fields to be a lot better this year than he was last season. Like, the Chicago Bears a year ago set him up to fail. Not necessarily deliberately, but that was the way they were treating that franchise. They were stripping the thing down for parts, they were selling off every available asset, and they were trying to make this roster and this salary cap better for the future. But that meant that Justin Fields had no help around him. No receivers, no offensive line, nothing to work with. So for him to come out of last season with any degree of viability, I think was impressive. And the reason they decided to trade down in the draft, not take Bryce Young number one, you know, go look to build around Justin Fields and give him some help. So now that he's got DJ Moore and he's got, you know, playmakers on that offense and a better offensive line, I think he'll look a lot better this year. We know he's a special athlete. We also know from college he can be a very accurate passer. I mean, that was his hallmark coming out was pinpoint accuracy. So I expect him to be a lot better. You know, Zach Wilson is obviously already in this kind of reboot situation of back to the bench, learn from the sideline and see if you can put it back together, you know, in a couple of years time. Uh, Mac Jones, it's a make or break year for him with Bill O'Brien coming in, you know, a guy that's got a previous NFL experience, previous experience with Mac Jones and knows what he's doing, which was different, you know, to what he had last season. So really a big year for him. And then you get with, with Trey Lance, which is this spot of, I think everybody probably underestimated just how inexperienced he was and now he's in this tough spot where there's just no way of getting him that experience anymore. Yeah. The, the other problem is there. it's a lot of these guys who kind of flame out when they were dr- first-round picks, they don't get much of a second or third chance. Yes, they might get signed, but that like Baker Mayfield's getting multiple chances. But Geno Smith, who was not a first-round pick, it took him like, what, like seven years, Sam? Right. To really break out? Like, I, is the league going to wait for these guys? I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. Like if you if you bust the first time around or even just, you know, disappoint. Baker Mayfield being, you know, a good example of that. It wasn't like he was a disaster in Cleveland, but they decided to go after Deshaun Watson and move on from him. There aren't there's always in any given year, there's only one or two teams that, you know, need that starting quarterback because they just have nothing, you know, and they're willing to take a shot on a guy like Baker Mayfield who they know is probably not going to be the answer, but it's worth a roll of the dice. And if you time it badly, you're just, there's none of those teams left, you know? So for a guy like Zach Wilson, that's not a bad situation for him because 
Rodgers is on a time limit, you know? They, mm-hmm. they only have to wait a couple of years for him to have another shot at this with the same team. He doesn't have to reboot and start somewhere else. But for somebody like Trey Lance, you know, if you traded him today, where is he going to get a starting gig from? Even looking a year into the future, there's not that many starting jobs available for a guy like Lance. So I, it's tough um, for these guys that don't succeed right away to get that second shot. You may have to bide your time, you know, as a backup until something like that opens up. One more on Fields. I saw a crazy stat that he had more rushing attempts last year than Cam Newton ever had in a season in his career. And that struck me as like odd because I think of Cam Newton as a running quarterback. I don't, Fields took a big punishment last year. You know, offensive line was okay and uh, he was scrambling for his life, didn't have the receivers. But I would assume they're going to try to reprogram him as more of a a, a pocket quarterback, no? Because that punishment is just unsustainable. Yeah, and and he's been a he's been a very different quarterback in the NFL to what I think anybody thought he would be. When you read scouting reports on Justin Fields, it's not the same guy, you know. And the things that he was good at in college, we're not seeing much of so far. And the athleticism. I mean, everybody knew he was fast and he was an athlete, but it wasn't talked about the same way Lamar Jackson's athleticism Mm. was talked about. You know, he wasn't seen as this Michael Vick, Lamar Jackson rivaling, rushing threat out of the backfield. And that's what he's had to be at the NFL level. And like, uh, like, uh, unlike Lamar Jackson, he's been looking to run. You know, Lamar, the, the thing about him is he's never really been a scrambling type of quarterback. When you look at his rushing yardage and production, it's designed runs. It's not like Michael Vick's, which was all scramble yardage, and Justin Fields, which is almost all scramble yardage. It's proper designed runs as part of the run game. Lamar doesn't actually scramble that much. And the same thing's kind of true with Anthony Richardson. He looks to pass more than he's looking to scramble from Mm. the pocket. He wants to hang in there and make those plays through the air, Whereas Justin Fields so far in the NFL has been very much that like one read run type of quarterback. Like give it a chance. If it's not there, take off and make something happen with your legs. Now, was that a bigger part of his game than people thought it was coming into the NFL? Or is that just what he's had to do, you know, while his receiving core has been what it is in Chicago? Like that's the big question I think to answer this year for Fields is how much of his style so far has been just a product of everything around him and a case of survival and how much of it is like that's actually who he is at this level mm. and we kind of misevaluated him you know as a as a prospect that's fascinating i hadn't thought of that you mentioned anthony richardson and you know i i do fantasy i don't know how in, into fantasy you are but i've got some buddies texting me hey man what do you think about anthony richardson as a late round flyer because justin fields had a monster year in, in fantasy last year running the football and I, was, I hadn't really even thought about Richardson. Uh, he's got Jonathan Taylor, doesn't have many weapons. I like Pittman. But I keep reading, Sam, that some of the gamblers and the advanced analytics guys, they're buying Steichen, Richardson, and company, and the Colts as maybe a sleeper in, in what's a bad division. Uh, where are you on Indy? Is, it, is this a team that appeals to you, or are you just they're totally off your radar? I think they're a really interesting team because Ooh. Shane Steichen just came from that Philadelphia offense where they they ran this game plan already, right? The, mm. the Jalen Hurts is another one of these quarterbacks that had some time learning on the job. His first um, games with Philadelphia were not good as a passing quarterback, mm. but they knew that he was a good enough runner that they could kind of prop up the offense 
to give him those reps we're talking about with Trey Lance, to give him the time to develop as a passer and get better so that you saw him go from, you know, marginal, maybe viable to okay, and then really, really good. That's what I think Richardson is going to need. Like he's probably already further along than people give him credit for. You can see the way he operates in the pocket. He's doing a lot of pretty high level quarterback things in terms of eye discipline, in terms of moving defenders around, his accuracy, I think, is going to be spotty generally, but mm-hmm. he needs reps. Like he's a little bit like Trey Lance. He's very inexperienced. He just needs the time to see everything. You know, and, and NFL defenses are going to throw a lot at him that he's never seen before. They're better at disguising coverage. They're better at changing coverage, you know, pre-snap to post-snap. So he needs this time to learn. And he's a good enough athlete that I think they can create an offense like you know, 2021 Philadelphia, where it's really run heavy, um, but it's good enough that Richardson can keep going and you're not sort of saying, you know, we need to sit him down. This just isn't good enough yet. So I'm I'm kind of intrigued to see what it's going to look like. I think it will be viable and the Colts can have some success with it. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, Richardson isn't the prototype for what a quarterback, sh- you know, historically has been in the league, especially unable to complete like basic stuff. But you look around the league, Sam, and essentially all of the elite quarterbacks are not mobile, but they're like actively mobile. Like Trevor right. Lawrence can run, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. I don't know. Are, are we kind of rewriting what a quarterback is right now in the, in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the nature of the NFL is these things are cyclical, right? Like if you watch old games on YouTube or highlights or whatever, I, I was watching Joe Montana games recently and they were waxing lyrical about the amazing thing about Montana is he can scramble, you know, he's mobile. And because they just come out of this um, period where the prototype quarterbacks were all these statues that didn't move around, stood tall in the pocket, delivered the ball. Um, Montana, you know, was clearly never the athlete that Lamar Jackson or or any of these other guys are, but that's kind of what they were dealing with, just the contrast and the cycle. And now we've come out of a period where Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and those guys were the prototype. And now it's Mahomes and it's Josh Allen and it's Lamar Jackson and it's these athletic mobile quarterbacks. So I think that is now becoming today's prototype. And if you're not that, if you're just a guy that doesn't bring mobility to the table, you better be incredible at, you know, being a pocket passer and being able to hit the right guy at the right time, you know, every single snap. Yeah, I just went to look up Joe Montana's rushing stats. Are you ready for this? Most carries in a season, 61. Most rushing yards, 284. That's like a month for Lamar Jackson. And they were saying he's very mobile. Uh, That's unbelievable. So I guess my question following that up would be, Sam, is this based out of analytics where one of the advanced stats that I keep hearing is the most valuable play is a quarterback scramble because it's going to net you yards. Your quarterback's mobile. The defenses are playing a lot of too high safety. And like, it, it just seems like it's an auto plus uh, play offensively. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a part of, I think the game has gotten better at understanding how to use that. You know, there were years where teams didn't want a mobile quarterback because they didn't want to expose their quarterback to those Mm. hits, right? That was the big thing you heard. And then the other thing is they weren't really good at understanding how to make use of it. So when Michael Vick came into the NFL, Michael Vick was basically told to just go run the West Coast offense. Like we didn't change much to accommodate the fact that you had maybe the greatest athlete the quarterback position has ever seen. They had no like additional, you know, wrinkles or anything else added to the offense. It was just, 
Michael Vick's going to run the West Coast offense. And if you need to scramble every now and again, you know, yeah. go make a play. Now, like Lamar Jackson comes into the league and they literally design like a complete custom bespoke offense in the basement of the Baltimore facility built around his running game. Like it's a completely different world. So I, I think teams are understanding that it's not that big a risk, right? That you can, your quarterback can take a hit every now and again. They're taking hits anyway in terms of, you know, sacks and, and all that kind of thing. You might as well get them on the move, stress a defense out, make their life easier across the board. And they're just um, exploiting that loophole better. I, I don't know. I guess the pushback would be like, well, Lamar in, I think it was 19 and 20 or 20 and 21 had, I think, two of the highest single season carry totals for a quarterback. And what happened the next two years? He kind of got injured late in the season. Now, I'm not saying, you know, one of them was in the pocket rolling out, I think, trying to elude right. a sack. But I, don't, I guess I don't have the odds. I don't know if anyone does. But the odds of your quarterback getting hurt when he's scrambling are probably higher than they are if he's in the pocket. But then again, you know, Joe Montana, I'll never forget that hit. He took uh, Leonard Marshall, I think, in the Giants uh, in the playoff right. game. He rolls out and plants and boom. It felt like a career ender for him. So, I, don't, I mean, where are you on that? Because Trevor Lawrence could scramble. Um, all the elite top guys can. Justin Herbert, uh, even the kid Caleb Williams, who everybody loves at USC, he could scramble. So I don't know who's the best pocket quarterback in the league right now. I mean, that's the thing. There, there aren't many of them. Anymore. Yeah. Like I, I, I think it's not without risk. Obviously, right? If you're going to use your quarterback as part of the run game, he is going to be exposed to hits that he wouldn't have if he was just standing in the pocket. But I think generally, the other aspect of this is quarterbacks can protect themselves better than almost any other thing can, right? Including mm -hmm. the offensive line. They're kind of in control to a huge degree of how much they get hit, whether it's on the run, you know, sliding versus taking on a linebacker. But it, even in the pocket, once the pressure arrives, understanding how to get rid of the ball, not taking that big hit, you know, and the difference in quarterback's ability to do that is huge. You see these wildly different um Sack rates, not in terms of like the total number of dropbacks, how often you're getting sacked, but how often relative to, to the pressure plays you're getting sacked. And the best quarterbacks in the NFL, only like 10% of their pressures are actually getting them hit or actually taking them to the ground. The rest are getting rid of the ball. They're, they're not letting themselves take those hits. And then quarterbacks that aren't good at that, you know, they're getting taken to the ground. They're getting sacked 25% of the time versus you know, 10%, it's a huge difference. So I think generally the focus for NFL teams has now been, right, getting the quarterback to protect himself, but it's a, the net win for using what they can do in the run game, I think is is huge versus let's not tap into any of that additional, you know, juice we could have on offense just because it might get them a few more hits in the season. Um, before we get to individual players, I'm gonna, I know you do a lot of radio and podcasts, probably getting asked a million questions. Has anyone ever asked you this, Sam? Does defense even matter anymore in the NFL? <laughs> well, yeah, that's, you know, that's one of those analytics mantras, right? We went through, and this is the thing is, is analytics, I think has been really useful in identifying, you know, a lot of different trends, a lot of different data points, a lot of, and asking a lot of questions that the NFL wasn't necessarily being asked before. Um, the delivery of those messages has sometimes been suspect. And that's where you end up with these phrases like running backs don't matter and defense doesn't matter. And, you know, does anything matter anymore? 
like defense matters, running backs matter. The question is how much and, mm. you know, where should the resources go and all those kinds of things. I think the underlying point with with that kind of push is defense now matters less than it used to, right? Mm. You you could build defenses and you could build championships off the back of amazing defenses that could be sustained for a number of years in the past. Now, if you don't have the quarterback, it doesn't matter how good your defense is. It really doesn't. You know, unless you construct the greatest defense the game has ever seen, you almost have no shot at being successful. And, you know, you can see that with the Patriots. Like, they're still able to put a top five defense out basically every single year, but no Tom Brady, no success, right? Like, yeah. No, Mike Jones fair. hasn't even been terrible, and they still can't win the kind of games that they need to, particularly now when, you know, look at the AFC. There's so many good teams there. It's not it's not a bad period for NFL where you might have been able to get by without good quarterback play in, in certain periods. Like now, even to make the playoffs in the AFC, like if you make the playoffs, you're probably going to have to beat three of Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence, you know, whoever the team is that makes it. You're going to have to knock three of those guys off in sequence to have any kind of like Super Bowl success. Meanwhile, in the NFC, it's like, can you beat Geno Smith, Kirk Cousins, and Daniel Jones or Dak Prescott? Um, I, but I, right. I, I mean, I'm being facetious, but I'm also like, if you look at the Chiefs, it's essentially Chris Jones and a bunch of guys, right? Uh, you look at the Rams, it's Aaron Donald and literally a bunch of irrelevant guys. Um, Buffalo still has some good defenders. The Bengals, you got to pay people. Let's pay offense. They just lost three guys in their secondary. Um, I know they pay their edge rusher in, but it, it just, it's looking like one of the trends in the league is, hey, if we're going to spend money, we're going to spend it on offense. We're going to spend it, obviously, quarterback, offensive line, and receiver, because that's what wins right now. And I just remember, and I bet the Eagles in the Super Bowl, but it was like, Eagles defense is amazing all season. Oh, my gosh. They basically shut everyone down almost every game. And they go to the Super Bowl, and Patrick Mahomes in the second half was, what, 14 of 15? Like, almost perfect against the, be like, the best defense in the league. It didn't matter. Um but maybe you just, the counter, I guess, is that's just Patrick Mahomes. Like, how many guys are doing that to the Eagles? Like, during the season, nobody did. But they face a tougher schedule of QBs this year. Um, I don't know. Was that too harsh on defenses? No, I mean, I think that's the problem, right? Is that even when you create these great defenses, once you get to the toughest games, once you get to the playoffs, once you get to the, certainly the AFC playoffs, and maybe just as far as the championship game or the Super Bowl and the NFC, but that's when you run into Patrick Mahomes and your great defense suddenly looks ordinary because Patrick Mahomes is amazing. And I think the difference between offense and defense right now is that defense is a weak link system, whereas offense is a strong link system. So a lot of things can go wrong in your offense. But if you've got Patrick Mahomes throwing to Travis Kelsey, you're probably going to have a lot of success. Whereas defense, if you've got one weak link out there, like 11 guys, and one of those guys is a is a liability, offenses are going to find that guy, and they're going to exploit it. And there's, mm. it's very difficult to hide that from a defensive point of view. So it's just harder to create an amazing defense than it is a great offense, because you can have a lot of problems on that offense, and it still be great. And whereas that's just not true for defenses anymore. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. 
Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, all right, individual players. Uh, Derek Henry, has that ship sailed? Is it over? So many carries, the injuries. Uh, it feels like this is probably not the beginning of the end, but like maybe the final big year for Derek Henry. And by big, I don't even mean like 1,500 yards. I mean like maybe like 1,200 yards. Yeah, I mean, I think Derek Henry is still capable of doing <laughs> Derek Henry things. The problem is th- the offensive line in front of him isn't anymore. So, right. you know, last season, the Titans finished with the worst offensive line in the NFL by PFF's offensive line rankings. I think even with their additions in the offseason, they're starting off this year in the same spot. So they may have upgraded, but it's still bad looking on paper. So if that line is as, is as rough as it looks, you know, Derrick Henry just, it's almost superhuman to expect him to do anything, you know, in terms of a, a really big season or even a Derrick Henry-like season. It's just too tough a, an, an ask for him. So I think he's probably going to look like he's on the downslope, but I'm not certain that's him versus just the situation around him getting worse. Uh, this Tyreek Hill 2,000 yards receiving noise, do you buy any of that or is it just simply based on if Tua's healthy? 
somebody's going to do it sooner or later, right? Like the, mm. the, the league being this heavy slanted in terms of passing, someone's going to break that 2000 pass or receiving yardage mark pretty soon. Um, Miami, yeah, two has got to stay healthy. They've also got to prove that they weren't found out late in la- late in the season. You know, that the picture got very muddy because of Tua's concussions and, you know, missing time and all those kinds of things. But teams had started to cause that offense problems last year. They were playing a lot more press man coverage. They were trying to take away the middle of the field where they'd been so dominant. And, you know, as good as Tua looks in that offense, he doesn't really have the arm to, you know, really attack the sideline the way some of these other quarterbacks do. He might be a limited quarterback in terms of how he can play the game. And if defenses have sort of come up with an answer to that, then the Miami offense might not be quite as explosive and as, you know, dominant as it was a year ago. Uh, This is why you're on here. Uh, That's an angle I've not heard from anybody. Um, Which, for people who want to go back and look, are we talking about, was it the Packers game on Christmas? Or uh, the Steelers Ooh. game, I remember, was a, was a night game, and they after the first drive, they I think he really shut him down. Um, but w- so essentially, they're just clogging the middle of the field and saying, "Tua, make that deep out throw. You can't do it. We'll challenge you." Is that the kind of thing? Yeah, they're they're you know they're using press man coverage, disrupting the timing of those routes across the middle, trying to make sure that they they can't just sort of drop back and hit these timing patterns and do it in rhythm. Um, and, and trying to sort of flood those areas of the field with zone coverage, you know, on the back end, trying to flood it with extra bodies, the uh, whole guy and with, with a linebacker or safety, and essentially giving them the space to the outside and saying, adjust your route concepts, you know, adjust your plays and target a different area of the field because what you're doing, you know, up until this point has been destroying teams. Yeah, wow, that's fascinating. Um, more likely to get traded at the deadline, and I know NFL trades aren't huge, um, but I'm looking at um, teams that are going to be bad and star players. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Aaron Donald, or Devontae Adams? The Adams thing would certainly be interesting. I, I, I don't know how many teams could make that happen realistically in terms of, um, you know, in terms of salary, in terms mm. of moving the money around. Yeah, I could definitely see one of the, the Buccaneers receivers being moved. I think that team... They were stuck in that position this offseason where once your you know Hall of Fame quarterback is gone, you're almost in this trap where that's when you should rebuild. But because the roster you put around the Hall of Fame quarterback was good enough to try and be a contender, you're kind of left convinced that ah, maybe we could still be good if we just get a viable quarterback. But if they are bad, you know, if Baker Mayfield continues to look poor this season and they struggle early out of the gate, then they should be ripe for a rebuild. You know, just tear it all down and start over. Um, One name I'd be really interested, two names actually, I guess, with the Jets. That offensive line looks pretty rough on paper and could kind of undermine the whole thing, you know? There's been a lot of talk about David Bakhtiari and maybe they could make that happen. The name, though, that I would be interested in if I was the Jets is Josh Jones, the tackle from the Cardinals. He got a run of playing time at left tackle last season when DJ Humphreys was hurt. He's basically only been good at left tackle in the NFL, but now they've drafted Paris Johnson. DJ Humphreys is back. Josh Jones is either back on the bench or he's back playing guard where he struggled in the past. He might be a really, really nice sort of buy low type of addition for a team like the Jets to come in and upgrade left tackle if they're struggling Ooh, there. That's spicy. What, what do you think that's going to cost them? Um, in terms of, I'm assuming, draft pick compensation. Is that like a fourth-round pick? Um, 
Or will yeah, they just milk it and much, say highest you bidder? Know? You're right. It, it it can't be a lot because, as I say, he's kind of become, you know, the odd man out in that offensive line in Arizona anyway. So it's tough to see how the, the value could be particularly high for them. Hmm. I like that. Um, any sleeper teams or players that you're looking at? We have a large fantasy football audience. Um, some guys are good. Some guys are not. Um, but uh, like we, we asked about Anthony Richardson earlier, but any, any other players, running backs, receivers, quarterbacks, whatever. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of players. I think that you get excited about that around this kind of time, right? Preseason where you start seeing them all. I, I think tank Dell in Houston could be a really exciting rookie right out of the gate. Um, I don't even know who that is. He's, he was a third round pick. Um, but he led the nation last season in yards, in touchdowns, but he was a third round pick because he's five foot eight and 165 pounds, right? And even in this world of weird body types and small receivers and all those kinds of things, that's the kind of size that terrifies NFL teams. Um, but he dominated during the senior ball week. Like they couldn't stop him in one-on-one routes all week long. He can release from the outside. And in preseason, he had, what was it, 60 or six catches, 50 yards and a touchdown or something like that. And forget the plays that he did make. He was unstoppable on the plays that he didn't make. I mean, he was Mm. deep open down the sideline on one play and he was overthrown. He um, put Jack Jones in a, in in an absolute blender. One of the first reps, the interception actually where CJ Stroud didn't see the safety. I mean, if the safety wasn't there, tank Dell had got himself five yards open and made the cornerbacks uh, fall down. So that guy, I think, is going to be one of their most important receivers this year and could have mm. a pretty useful season. Wow, that's a nugget. Um, anybody in the NFC? Um, I think Jonathan Mingo could emerge quickly as, as Carolina's number one receiver. I think that Bryce what? Young to Jonathan Mingo connection could easily end up being a pretty formidable one. Mingo's another one of these guys where, um, I, for some reason, he just wasn't seen as, you know, a truly elite wide receiver prospect. His production was never great in college, but a large part of that was his quarterback situation was bad. But you put on his tape and you're like, I, I don't see a reason this guy's not being talked about in the first round. I think late in the process, he started to get some first round buzz and then I think ends up going in the second to Carolina. But, you know, given their receiving core right now, it wouldn't take that much for Mingo to be the number one guy pretty quickly. I like it. And your obligatory Super Bowl pick, uh, or we'll go Final Four um, in the NFC and AFC. Okay, last year, my pick was Philadelphia Buffalo. So for a long time, I Mm. felt pretty good about that. Yeah. Um, This year, I think the Final Four, it's probably going to be quite similar. I think it'll be Kansas City, always. I think Cincinnati will be the other team in the AFC. And then the NFC, I'm going to go with Dallas as my my dark horse. Everybody loves them. I know. And I think they might jump Philadelphia. I think they might be the team that gets the number one seed. And then let's go with San Francisco again. So Dallas, San Francisco in the championship game. So maybe Brock uh, Purdy can beat Dak again in the playoff game. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Dak's lost to San Fran the last two years in the postseason. Yeah. Um, what is it about Dallas? Is it really the defense? Are you? I mean, it's funny. I asked, does defense matter? Dallas dumps Zeke smartly, but goes all in on defense with Gilmore and in the draft. And like, I don't know, man. Are you not scared of the Brian Schottenheimer, Mike McCarthy combo? I think both sides of the ball, they're strong. Like that roster looks really good. And yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit worried that they dumped Kellen Moore, but I think 
when you look at what they have, you know, it's a good offensive line. It's a good quarter. It's good across the board, right? Everything. Mm. The, the Brandon Cooks addition, I think, is really good. Um, you know, Michael Gallup being another year removed from the injury that, that sort of robbed him of being what he was. He should look a lot better this year. Jalen Tolbert, a second-year guy, has been making plays in camp. That guy uh, didn't do much as a rookie, but I really liked him coming out. So I think that offense should be really good, and the defense is already spect- spectacular, and they added Stephon Gilmore. So I just think they might they might be the most complete roster in the NFL, top to bottom. Jeez, love for Dallas. All right, Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus. Great stuff as always, Sam. And uh, enjoy the season. Anytime, you too. Thanks for having me. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.